0: Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. My name is Joe Devine and today I am very briefly joined by Seb Staffa bloor Hello, Seb. Hello, Joe Devine. How but are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Oh, good. Uh, but for the bulk of the episode, I was joined by James McNicholas uh, of The Athletic. Um, and we were talking about the situation, with, which is a couple of weeks old now, with Meza Ozil, uh, the Uyghur Muslims, China, the Muslim world and uh, also the Cowardly
1: West... Is An that Arsenal's fair? response. Yeah, I think that's fair.
0: And Arsenal's response, um, which well, there's a lot to talk about before we get started with James. Uh, we've got Seb here just to give us a kind of little brief uh, preface to our talk by reminding us all of what happened with Daryl Morey, Houston Rockets GM
1: of the NBA. About what a month or two ago, I said it's just a little bit longer than that actually. Joe, I think it was let me just look it up. It was right at the beginning of October, right? Scandal okay. broke, yeah. So, when are we releasing this? End of end of December, end uh, we're we'll releasing this on Christmas Eve, right? Right, so it's going to be sort of two and a half months. Um, now, for anyone who doesn't remember, obviously, um, Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey, uh, during the, um, the middle of the Hong Kong. Democratic protests, yes. um, which became increasingly demo, uh, increasingly acrimonious, um, he tweeted his solidarity with the protesters, um, and that set off a, a chain of reaction. A, a chain of reactions, um, which involved uh, Hong Kong uh, Chinese business partners uh, of the NBA. Um, obviously, there's a sort of the the NBA is hugely popular, particularly the Houston uh, Rockets because Yao Ming played for them. NBA Hall of Famer. Um, and there was, uh, the wall of China. I mean, I, I want to use words like cowardly, um, because that's how I feel. People are free to disagree with me. But I think the way that the NBA folded around, um, their commercial interests and reacted to the way, um, the Chinese government, but also the Chinese, um, commercial partners within the A responded to Maury's tweet was... It was very difficult to stomach. Um, mm. I'm not an NBA expert. I think anyone can tell that. By the way, I'm talking about it. But what I would say is that this is increasingly a challenge in sport. So uh, a league and organization like the NBA, um, as soon as it feels, as soon as it, it almost as soon as it senses its commercial opportunities narrowing, um, it is willing to do almost anything to kind of to broaden that out again. Yeah. Um, now it has been two and, and then and a half the kind of banner of freedom disappears yeah I think so also you know what? Look, we're two and a half months into this um, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver has um, issued a variety of statements I would say from reading them that um, the NBA's position has changed a little bit as a result of some of the things which have been said in response to it um it's worth anyone um before before they listen to the podcast worth anyone having a li- uh, everyone having a little um read up on the kind of the latest situation there because there are so many parallels to this arsenal mezzo azum china situation um so yeah just keep yourself up to date there
0: mm. i mean i guess the thing that i'm going to talk to, to james about he's going to walk us through the situation with Mesut Ozil for a start. Mm-hmm. He's going to make it clear that uh, neither him nor I are experts on the situation with China and the Uyghur Muslims. Um, but I think, uh, and hopefully this, this can serve as an, as an interesting thought to keep in your mind while whilst listening to our conversation, that regardless of the situation with the Uyghur Muslims, which seems like a very careless thing to say, but regardless of that, the way in which uh, the, I guess... The Chinese government has responded to one footballer from Arsenal tweeting something uh, slightly critical of uh, uh, the biggest country in the world by deleting him from the internet essentially and uh, tearing apart his official fan group and all the rest of it, a hammer blow. It's it's uh, really not that good for uh, f- freedom of speech.
1: <laughs> it's quite sinister. It's, it's not very quite sinister. sinister. It's very and it's
0: it's over such a, a such a comparatively given the scale that we're talking about, massive global nations. It's a, com- a comparatively tiny incident to be so hard on, and I think that's the um, that's the things to sort of keep in your mind whilst listening to this conversation because uh, it's you know, look it's very it's very difficult to have a different opinion on uh, what constitutes the poor, poor treatment of persons or uh, the removal of human rights. As it relates uh, to Hong Kong, there are, uh, I suppose, different stances one might take. But forget about the actual issue. We're not here to discuss that. We are football writers. What we are talking about is, as it relates to football, um, the, I mean, it seems fair to call it the concrete oppression of free speech, and particularly, I think. Well, yeah, go on. I, I, I was going to
1: say that sort of. You, you talked about how um, uh, how Ozil's, um internet presence has, has been changed and ultimately decimated in the in the weeks since. Um, so, as I understand it, the latest is that actually um, he does remain. Um, does continue to have an internet presence but only within the context of being essentially now an enemy of the state they've left up
0: the news articles about the story you're right
1: Meza ozil is no longer a (laughs) world cup winning footballer he is no longer someone who played for real madrid and you know arsenal and you know germany he is now just someone who has an opinion which opposes uh chinese policy essentially which is Mm. i find that very very uncomfortable it is um, uncomfortable. Yeah, um, it's also strange. Like obviously, um, in the aftermath, uh, Yaya Toure was very, very quick to uh, to try and shut down um, Meza Özil. He was sort of talking about it. You know how, how this is. You know something you shouldn't really talk about. And I mean, translated, it was he almost said he almost urged Meza Özil to know his place. Which uh, I'm reading between the lines there, and I'm paraphrasing, but I also find that quite sinister. Um, it's true.
0: It's the theme of uh, the year for me. And also the theme of the podcast. Um, I hope you enjoy the conversation with James McNicholas. Do, do stay in your lane. This episode of the TIFO Football Podcast is supported by The Athletic, the best place to read about football online. Visit www.theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO to get a seven day free trial and 50% off an annual subscription. To support TIFO, support The Athletic. Thank you for listening. James, thanks for coming again so soon My pleasure, glad to be back We weren't expecting you back so soon um, We might talk about Arteta a little bit at the end Sure But the reason that we've invited you here today Is to talk about Meza Erzul mm. And the situation with China um, So would you, I think it's I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it But I think they're, the, they're called the Uyghur Muslims Which was the initial uh, Let's part. go with that Okay, but will you walk us through exactly what happened
2: yeah, so the timeline is basically that Mesut Ozil decided to use his social influence, his, his uh, social media following, to speak out about this issue with the Uyghurs, uh, the persecution that they have faced in China. So he um, put a post up on his Instagram account uh, that immediately created a lot of reaction in China and Arsenal felt compelled to respond. So via their Weibo account, which is a Chinese social media site, they put out a statement that said... These views are, are Mesut's personal views. They do not. I don't think they actually said they do not reflect the, the views of the club, but they said uh, Arsenal does not involve itself with politics, essentially. We I think re- they
0: did. I think they said these don't reflect the views of Arsenal, which has always been a non-political organisation. Right? Exactly.
2: Crucially, they distanced themselves and said, look, we are apolitical in yeah. this scenario. Now, that was not enough. That was not sufficient to uh, appease... China And the Chinese authorities because uh, they responded by pulling Arsenal's match against Manchester City from CCTV, from the broadcast schedule, um, replacing it with a rerun of a Spurs game to add insult to injury. And uh, there has been more fallout since then, particularly personally, for Meza Ozil. So his social media profiles on Chinese social media sites have been removed. Uh, I believe that all entries for him under major Chinese search engines have been heavily filtered. So all that it returns now is stuff uh, relating to this supposed indiscretion. And uh, further to that, I think he's even... I've recently seen headlines suggesting he's been removed from the Pro Evolution soccer game. So essentially... His uh, profile, his online footprint from China has been wiped clear. He had a supporters club there with over 30,000 fans. That has been closed down by the Chinese authorities. We've had reports of uh, Chinese Mesut Ozil fans being in tears over the sort of division between their, their idol and their nation. Uh, and uh, when his uh, under the Arsenal post on Weibo, there were even images of Mesut Ozil Arsenal shirts cut up you know, or like torn to pieces. So there there has been a substantial sort of personal repercussions for Ozil. He knew that when he was making this statement. He knew uh, what that might cost him. He knew how China would react, but he felt compelled to do so. And uh, Arsenal obviously are very very cautious and very nervous because as we're all aware China are an incredibly important market for Premier League clubs
0: mm. I mean what 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 does um, China represent to Arsenal do you think with the exception of it being obviously a huge great big marketplace mm. is, is there a is there a history of the uh, big fandom there or have there ever been previous connections like that?
2: It's a market that Arsenal have worked quite hard on, um, particularly, I mean, they launched their Chinese language website, I think, in 2007. And since then, efforts have really stepped up. They've been to China twice in the last eight years or so on pre-season tours. Um, and they've held relationships with various sort of Chinese commercial entities. They had a brief partnership with Huawei. They opened a restaurant in China. Uh, they ran some uh-huh. community restaurant. An Arsenal restaurant. What it is closed, closed down, unfortunately. Oh, um, yeah, I know. Uh, we, we even do chaos well when it comes to food. <laughs> but um, they also ran some soccer schools in China. I mean, essentially, I think there's one uh, Chinese company who are currently on Arsenal's, um, if you go to their website, they have a page which sort of lists all their sponsors. And I think there's one Chinese media company on there. It's not a, a massive a commercial tie in that respect, but You know, it is a market that is of incredible importance. I think to Premier League clubs, it comes principally through TV money. The broadcast rights that the Premier League receives to be shown on Chinese television are substantial. Yeah, And, uh, you know, that's a market that they they don't want to lose. So, I think two Premier League clubs are owned by uh, China, Chinese people, uh, Chinese businesses. Uh, But Arsenal aren't quite in that boat. But it is something that they they obviously don't want to fall behind on. Mm-hmm. And I think what's been um, difficult for them in this circumstance is that they've felt compelled to put out this statement, distancing themselves from what Ozil said, and it's obviously attracted a lot of attention because as much as Arsenal are correct in saying that for the most part they are you know an apolitical organisation, um, they certainly haven't responded in this way to
0: other instances of people speaking out about different issues in the past. It's funny though, isn't it? Because you can be an apolitical organisation mm-hmm. and that in some ways is, is an admirable um, thing to attempt to be. Mm-hmm. But at what point do actions cross a line which uh, mean that even institutions or people who consider themselves to be apolitical shouldn't be anymore? I mean, presumably this might... Not, as I said, we, neither of us are experts on the, uh, the oppression of the weaker people. But yes, sure. is this not an example of something that obviously Mesut Özil is, is is very uh, welcome and allowed to talk about and the Arsenal rather than distancing themselves from it for what can only be assumed to be financial reasons mm. It's a little bit cynical, isn't it? Yeah, I
2: mean, look, I I have to say Arsenal themselves deny that that's their incentive in this scenario. But I think looking at it objectively, of course, it's a massive factor.
0: What other incentive could there be?
2: Uh, I think, you know, they would talk about a sort of cultural imperative, the idea that, you know, we know don 't necessarily understand the weight of Ursula 's comments, how inflammatory they might be, and they don 't want Arsenal to become a subject of i don 't know ire or hate in the way that say the NBA were but of course the finances realistically are a massive part of that, and I think you 're right you know you can be apolitical but you know if you read the United Nations reports about what's happening uh, to this population in China, then I think it becomes a moral issue really rather than a political one and that's where I think for Arsenal you know they need to tread very very carefully and I know a lot of fans uh, as much as Chinese fans might have been outraged by what I was all said I'm sure a lot of fans in England I don't want to speak for them but feel a bit disappointed and a bit disillusioned really that Arsenal weren't able to kind of stand with their player in a situation
0: where He appears to be fairly unequivocally in the right. Particularly when a couple of German clubs have done exactly that in Mm. the aftermath of this and and before. Mm. I think FC Kern was one of the clubs that came out and and made a statement about it, Mm. saying that it's unacceptable and that it's not something which would be okay for, you know, supporters of FC Kern. I suppose that only really highlights the. the financial divide between the Bundesliga and, and the Premier League. The Bundesliga mm-hmm. obviously has its 50 plus one rule. Uh, all the clubs, with the exception of Red Bull, I suppose, are majority owned by supporters. Yeah. And they have much closer links to the society and the culture that they are embedded in and come from So therefore, they're allowed to say things like that and there's no big deal because they're not risking lots and lots of money.
2: Absolutely. And I think you're absolutely right (sighs) to highlight that difference between the Premier League and the Bundesliga. FC kind of a great example of a club that do kind of have a bit of a political identity and don't shy away from that. Uh, Arsenal are principally a business you know and this is uh, clearly a business decision that has been made to safeguard Arsenal's interests Um, it's it's one of those really tricky things where because other clubs are kind of uh, kowtowing to China uh, if Arsenal didn't and Arsenal fell behind maybe supporters would feel frustrated by that and feel like well why are we not doing what's required to get the financial might you know so to a certain extent Why isn't Roman Abramovich our owner? right? Well I mean it's really fascinating I mean look China aren't the only Any issue of sort of uh, money coming into Arsenal that's questionable, you know, they have Emirates on the shirt, they have Rwanda on the sleeve. There are ties with uh, various countries that have problematic political situations attached. Mm -hmm. I mean, to a certain extent, I'm an Arsenal fan as well. And I find it kind of like very deflating because it's sort of where uh, this is the modern this is modern football to an extent and I would love it to be different. I would love it to be different but I also recognise that it's not and that's not the world in which we're operating and yeah, it is sad really um, speaking as an Arsenal fan and admittedly speaking as someone in the West to see the club kind of, you know, letting this go by and sort of holding their hands up and saying it's nothing to do with us I mean I Com- compromise its morals basically right? yeah I think that's fair like you know what what price do those morals have and and clearly it's a few hundred million quid or whatever it is that they, that they might make yeah. but it, yeah it is um, it, it is a real shame but I can't pretend it's a surprise really given the direction
0: yeah. of both the club and the Premier League in the recent years it's a funny one. And I think, you know, when we look at it in that way as, a, as a, it being compromising for whatever values that Arsenal would claim to stand for, mm. situations like this, of which there have been numerous, and as you say, not just involving China. China is just, just a recent example, mm-hmm. and quite an extreme one in the way that of the course. reaction has been uh, from from the Chinese government. But it really puts in sort of stark alignment um, that transition from what a football club was to what it is now, as you just called Arsenal, a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and football operates in a strange part of the entertainment sphere. I think where it doesn't even have to work very hard to pretend that it's not a business because most people are very happy to accept that um, and uh, pretend that that isn't real and carry on watching and stand in the terraces with the, their fellow supporters. And it feels like a big community event and all the rest of it. Yeah. When the re- reality is that it totally isn't anymore. When something like this happens, it's sort of, um, it bursts that bubble a little bit for a bit of time and then people forget about it again. Yeah. But it really makes it clear all of the distasteful things <laughs> about, yeah. about the
2: modern Premier League, right? It brings it into pretty stark, relief and you know that those lines do blur between kind of social institution and business at different times in the football calendar and sometimes fans are kind of happy to celebrate those things you know you see fans celebrating a kit deal for example maybe yeah. and being like wow this is great you know our revenues are increased that's going to make us better but I think it always comes back to in theory that will make us better on the pitch you know that yeah. is the defining thing for any supporter I think in this instance Yeah, it it does leave a bit of a bitter taste in the mouth because you can't look at it and really recognise Arsenal as this kind of social institution and i guess what i guess what they would say in their defense they would say we're trying to uh be arsenal as much for fans in china as for anywhere else and we are trying to um not be culturally insensitive in a country where we have supporters now obviously for us here in england in our culture uh this is kind of culturally insensitive, really, because it's kind of Arsenal setting themselves aside from Ozil on a, on a moral issue. But the whole situation is also sort of complicated by Ozil himself who's not a kind of straightforward personality and someone who even politically has some ties and associations that other people would find problematic for example mm. you know being pictured with uh, President Erdogan of Turkey and having him as a guest at his wedding and he was his best man wasn't he? yeah I mean I think this might be a sort of slight cultural uh, difference right. he was a special guest is right. what I've okay. been told to uh, say but uh, I'm not sure if he was necessarily the best man um, certainly not the best man for that position in my personal opinion. Right. Um, so you know that to a certain extent people are like well how, a lot of people I've seen a lot of fans saying well how can you take as all seriously on this when he holds this position on turkey and turkish politics but that seems absurd to me. I mean, you know, it's yeah. perfectly possible to hold those two things in opposition, and for that, to, for them to have be right about one thing and not about the other. It, it's um, perfectly possible to contradict yourself and still, as you say, be, be right. About good something. point, and also re- draw attention to an issue that, you know, I'll, I'll admit I did not know a lot about prior to this. I had sort of heard bits and pieces, but really you know, as someone who covers Arsenal, Mesut Ozil highlighting this was really the first time it was brought prominently into my consciousness. And you're a journalist. And I'm supposed to be a
0: journalist. Right, and me too. And you know, this is why it's important. Of course. So, again, the you know, obviously, there, I'm sure there'll be some people out there with the uh, opinion and probably some people working at Arsenal wishing that or hasn't said hadn't said anything I'm sure I'm but sure look at you know it's, it's two two chumps right here know a little bit more about it
2: now absolutely and actually I think in Britain it's something we're particularly sensitive about sports people using their platform and their profile to talk about other issues but I think if you look at America say in the NFL how politicized that has become in some ways I think in other countries you're right to highlight Germany Sometimes you see Barcelona players talking out about uh, Catalan independence or matters of that nature. And I think in England, we sort of want our sportsmen to be sportsmen and do their talking on the pitch. That's what we want. Mm. But I think they are such influential figures now in society that uh, I I do think someone trying to use that platform for benefit of others, it is a positive thing. And I think that, you know, Erzul. He, look, he didn't tell the club that he was planning to release the statement. It was not a coordinated thing. It was not something that they were made part of the process of. And maybe if he had, who knows, maybe it would have been different. But it's, a, it's impossible to look at it and not feel um, a little disappointed. And I'm, I'm speaking as a fan there, uh, that Arsenal just felt that they had to do this. You know, Would it have killed them to say nothing? We won't know. We won't know. But it would be—I'd be really interested to know if Özil had said that and, and Arsenal hadn't made a statement. How different really would it have been, given that they were pulled from television anyway? You know, and given that most of the frustration in China and anger has been expressed towards Özil rather than the club, uh, and given that that relationship between Özil and Arsenal is ultimately a transitory thing. You know, whether he's here another month or another eighteen months. It's not really a a long-term thing for Arsenal. So, yeah, I I do wish that maybe they had refrained from comment because it's been pointed out by many people, but the previous day, Hector Bellerin uh, made a statement on Twitter about the British election and made his views on on the Conservative Party and their leader very, very clear. Uh, And Arsenal didn't feel compelled to respond in that situation, which I think tells you... Two things. One, that they they considered there's a sort of cultural difference in China, but also that they felt it would be more damaging to their
0: interests. Yeah, that Boris Johnson's not going to stop Arsenal appearing on TV. Let's hope not, anyway. (laughs) That would be a big story, (laughs) wouldn't it? It strikes me, listening to you, uh, that the only people, really, who aren't allowed to you know, air quotes, use football as a tool for uh, other, um, other endeavors, be they good or bad, are footballers, Mm because everyone else seems to be fine doing it. Uh, All, you know, many uh, owners of football clubs is the primary reason for them buying a club in the first place. Um, Many uh, world states are using sports and football, either to uh, increase tourism in their area of the world or to further their soft power on the world stage, or for a whole host of different reasons. It seems to be totally cool for everyone. That's with the exception true. of the actual footballers who play football and yeah. whenever they say anything you would have to there's a certainly a large portion of uh, of people whose response would be shut the fuck up mm. and play football or piss off
2: yeah I think that's a really good point and I also think we touched on it a moment ago but there is hypocrisy really from on Arsenal's part here In several ways. I mean, I think of Granit Shaka on international duty with Switzerland. I think he did a celebration or was part of a celebration that sort of was politically inflammatory. The eagle. The eagle on account of his Albanian heritage. And I don't... I may be wrong, but I don't remember Arsenal speaking out or or distancing themselves from that on that occasion. It's not a big market. Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good inference, I think. And, you know, uh, you're right. Football is full of people... Uh, essentially using it for other purposes and players who are at the very heart of the game, wanting to do something positive, wanting to do something good. I do think should be celebrated. And, uh, you know, that is the impressive thing. Meza Ozil could wait until he was retired to talk out about this, but mm-hmm. in this situation, that's not something he wanted to do. You yeah. know, as far as he's concerned, people's lives are at stake and he wanted to use the sway that he has to get people talking about it. And also something that he's really keen to stress is that his message was intended to sort of um, uh, draw focus on Muslim populations, Muslim nations that aren't really talking about this or or intervening or dealing with it, rather than actually directly criticising China. He was saying, we aren't talking about this enough. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a very very valid point and I mean set aside Muslim people set aside Muslim nations I think globally it's clearly a really significant human rights issue we should probably all be talking about it more which
0: fortunately now we are Mm. I have to say, I think stay in your lane is the most annoying thing to be told. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very, very frustrating. Can I ask you a personal question? Yes. My personal question to you, James, is as a journalist, does the idea that there is a a very large uh, state powerful on the global economic marketplace that has the ability uh, to erase someone from the internet (laughs) and, uh, you know... That's incredibly harsh controls on freedom of speech in that regard does that concern you yeah yeah it does <laughs> yeah it does and listen I was expecting you to say yeah I
2: know there are a lot of Chinese Arsenal fans out there and what I'm saying is not in any way meant to uh, be an affront to them and China China is like a sixth of the world's population or something like that and consequently the Premier League have sought to sort of pursue it as, 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 a, as a market but if they didn't, they'd be fine. They would be fine. I mean, as a league, you know, in terms of sort of getting into bed with China, it is a dangerous game. I mean, there was some sort of uh, suggestion and we weren't able to confirm it, that China might even put some sort of pressure on the, on the Premier League to for there to be repercussions for Arsenal in this instance. And at that point, it becomes super murky from a purely football perspective, from a... Personal human rights perspective: What's happened to Erzl in China? The way he's been kind of dragged through the mud, and like you say, effectively erased, is hugely worrying, uh, and yet of great concern to me. Great concern. So, uh, yeah, uh, speaking as a journalist, speaking as an individual, uh, I
0: find that deeply, deeply troubling. Yeah, and the thing thing that worries me about uh, these sorts of, you know, a a regime like that is that it ends up often being a bit of a war of attrition, in my mm. opinion. I mean, I remember 10, 15 years ago, taking up the flag for Tibet was a kind of popular thing for people to do in mm. the West. You don't really hear that much anymore. That, that one's kind of gone the, by the wayside, you know, yeah. as more popular causes have, 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 have come up, and because it made no meaningful impact, you know. And China, they just don't really tolerate this sort of thing, you know, and
2: that was clear in what happened with the NBA. It's been clear in this instance, any kind of uh, word against the Chinese government effectively gets stamped out. It does in China, and now they're managing to kind of exert that influence outside of Chinese borders. Mm. And I do find that really concerning. I mean, this is an issue of free speech as well. And, uh, you know, to be fair to them, Arsenal have not told us or what he can't say they've just said we don't endorse it but it does we do know of one Premier League club uh who have kind of advised or guided players not to tweet about the situation in Hong Kong because they you know don't want them to and that uh that's really worrying I think
0: are you allowed to say which club it is I'm not allowed to say can you tell me afterwards
2: (laughs) maybe maybe (laughs) but uh that yeah I mean that's of course incredibly concerning because you know that is censorship f- effectively from china operating externally in right yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean the th- i think what's interesting about it is do you ever watch any Adam Curtis documentaries? I have seen some, yeah. Right. I feel like this incident is the sort of story that yeah. he would use to uh, talk about a much bigger thing. Mm. And, you know, with the backdrop of uh, America and China's sort of trade war, trade agreement mm. issue happening at the moment, with the backdrop of the the world economy sort of slowly shifting eastwards. Mm. And, um, you know, obviously we know now that China is exporting... An awful lot more of its uh, of its workforce because people in China are entering the middle classes, and the world that as we know is is literally changing right mm-hmm. now i can 't think of many other examples of a state outside of the West that is powerful enough financially to impact this sort of uh, freneticism in whatever way that the decisions are end up being made by Premier League clubs. Uh, impact this sort of uh, freneticism on a a huge global institution I mean we've had the situation with Qatar in the World Cup we've had uh, discussion uh, around Qatar sponsoring uh, Barcelona for example Mm -hmm. the UAE Manchester City Qatar and PSG the list goes on and on and on Um, And there's always, the discussion is always more around that as being a kind of slow creep rather than Mm. anything else. This situation with China is just a stop immediately. As you said, no tolerance. It's it's totally different. And I can't quite think of another example that is similar or could be similar. No,
2: it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to think of any kind of instance which has been as inflammatory and I think the reason it's so interesting is because what it's produced, you know, Erzl being removed from a computer game, it feels almost sci-fi, doesn't it? You know, like yeah. a, someone's identity has sort of been pulled from media. Um, and one of the interesting things, my colleague, Matt Slater, at The Athletic, wrote a piece about Premier League clubs and China and the relationship. And there was a piece in it from a kind of an expert in Chinese culture who was saying he's not even convinced that... China's of great long-term benefit to the Premier League because because there's a sort of a nationalist element within China. Really their focus will be on developing their own league, developing yeah. their own game, and as soon as that's in a position to, you know, rival Premier League domestically in China, Premier League will fall by the wayside. Mm. So they're kind of making hay while well, the sun shines, but it's probably for a relatively short span of time, as soon as China is able to catch up and its league is in a strong position, that will inevitably become the focus. So you're kind of doing a bit of a, uh, a deal with the devil. But what is the
0: what's the long term win? Mm. This episode of the Tifo Football Podcast is supported by The Athletic, the best place to read about football online visit www.theathletic.co.uk/tifo to get a 7 day free trial and 50% off an annual subscription it's just 8p it's just 8p it's just 8p just 8 english pence it's just 8p it's just eight p. Hey, can I ask you about Arteta real quick? Yeah, of course. Uh, happy, happy about Arteta? I am happy about
2: Arteta. Yeah, we uh, were assuming that it is. I mean, we, sh- we we can't be too careful, you know. Last time we were absolutely convinced it was Mikel Arteta. In fact, I was midway through recording a live podcast about Mikel Arteta's uh, impending appointment. <laughs> and at the interval, someone looked at their phone and in, in the audience shouted out, it's not Arteta, it's Unai Emery. So I think all Arsenal fans have a kind of creeping sense of dread that at the last minute we're going to point Marcelinho or something like that. But right. I think it is going to be Arteta. We're pretty sure about that now. It's Friday as we record it's this Friday, Friday morning. morning. I mean, he's supposed to be being unveiled later today so all being well that will be the case it's not been um, the most uh, what's the word Uh, cordial extraction of Arteta from Man City really yeah they I mean you know Arteta's been very honest with City about talking to Arsenal through the process City have been pretty disappointed and annoyed that Arsenal haven't been especially upfront with them. Um, given that Arsenal and Man City played each other last Sunday uh, and no mention of this approach was made in the director's box mm. it's all kind of gone through Arteta uh, and the, the approach to the club really came as the last thing.
0: What are the rules around that? Because I know with football players that's not allowed is it? But with coaches? I think it, with coaches mm. it tends to function more as kind of traditional employment law um, so
2: it's not so much of an issue but I think that they, City may have a, a clause in Arteta's contract that, that constitutes some sort of a compensation payment. So that will... I think if Arsenal know they can meet that, then presumably they will feel we don't need to contact the club. We'll just
0: press that button when required. Right. £40 million exactly. £40 million and one. Yeah. Exactly. That's what exactly. Honestly, that is one of my favourite football stories of the decade. It's a great... Uh, story when's this going to come out this video this is going to come out Christmas Eve Christmas Eve
2: okay well this week I've actually got a a piece on the Athletic about various Arsenal transfers that didn't happen including that Luis Suarez one and I spoke to some of the people at the very heart of that deal so yeah that sounds good yeah yeah it's worth uh, it's worth a a look because it's from the outside I agree it was completely baffling and bewildering we'll pop that in the
0: in the comments or in the Cool. Blood, yeah.
2: But um, yes, I, I think Arteta is a really bold appointment. Let's say that. I mean, I, I can't pretend there's not a small part of me thinking, is this a good idea? A guy's never managed really a, a club in his life. Uh, well, not really, definitely hasn't. I, I've seen some interesting quotes from Patrick Vieira, who we believe was also a candidate for the job, about the fact that when he... Went into management, uh, how beneficial it was to him, the things he had never done before, like doing a half time team talk or just dealing with the media. He said, You know, you you can think you're a coach, you can understand the game, but effectively, and I'm paraphrasing here, until you've actually done it, you don't know. And to his credit, he is someone who has done that. He Mm. went to America and did it, he's doing it in France. Mikel Arteta, while he is influential at City and he's very, very trusted by Guardiola, this is still a massive step. I mean, later this afternoon is supposed to be his press conference. That will be his first press conference, he's the manager of Arsenal Football Club. That is a kind of crazy situation. But Arsenal are a club with with precedent for left field appointments, you know, going right back to the 1930s when I think they appointed someone who was effectively uh, the programme editor and he didn't (laughs) do too bad. Uh, We've had a physio convert to a manager. We've had Arsene Wenger who, granted, had been successful in Monaco, in France, but... Was a really left field appointment. So, in, in Japan, right? Was in Japan, and yeah. frankly, nobody in this country had heard of him, really, apart mm. from David Dean, who, who hunted him down and got him to do the job. So, sure, I think, you know, with all creatine stuffed in his pockets. Exactly, yeah, yeah exactly. A mad
0: drug dealing Frenchman.
2: <laughs> well, it worked for a time, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Me too, yeah. Uh, but, I miss that guy, I really do. <laughs> Look, with, they all bulked up considerably. sort of uh, incredible. <laughs> These 36 year old defenders running around like spring chickens they were good times but uh yeah I think Arsenal are kind of going back to their roots they're doing something really bold imaginative and I think there are things about Arteta that we can sort of infer or that we've heard from other people that make you think okay this guy could be a big a good fit you know we know his football philosophy he's talked about it in interviews he's worked with Guardiola is is it like positional play is it Guardiola it's yeah I think he's very focused on possession he, he I think is. I'm paraphrasing but he said something like my team absolutely have to have control of the ball we, we have an obligation to ent- entertain as right. well as win and that will appeal to Arsenal fans especially the, the younger Arsenal fans who have been reared on Arsene Wenger and don't really know anything different you know yeah. it's, bit, it's different if you're a generation or two above and you remember George Graham and 1-0 to the Arsenal but mm. that's no, real, no longer really what we associate with the club it's not really the modern identity it's three two now it's three two f- to the opposition yeah often uh, but I I uh, yeah I'm really looking forward to it and I think I mean speaking again uh, as a fan one thing I'm just really glad about is a new manager tends to unless you appoint a very divisive figure and I think this would have happened if Arsenal had gone for somebody like a Mourinho uh, it tends to kind of get people to rally around and sort of you get all these fans coming forward and saying do you know what I'm going to support the new manager whoever he is and I'm like right. yes of course you are that's what you should do or things like <laughs> if Arteta gets the job I will support him and I'm like <laughs> obviously what are you talking about? But uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. A bit of peace and tranquility and maybe some patience. I mean, maybe appointing a guy who's so new in the job yeah, he will engender. Yeah, he, he'll need time. Yeah. Arsenal will need time given the state we're in. And when you look at where we are in the Premier League, it's not going to dramatically get better between now and the end of the season, I don't think. So hopefully this next six months will feel a little bit like we're in a slight sort of cocoon and, we, you know, we're able to develop. our Arteta's able to develop. And then maybe next season, we win the Champions League or something like that. You know, yeah. so, yeah, I think, you know, that's how long the patience will probably last. But... It could be amazing. I yeah. Ma- imagine if it was amazing. Well, that's why it's an interesting appointment, isn't it? Because And why it's an exciting appointment, because we don't know what the ceiling right.
0: is. Whereas if you appoint Ancelotti or, you know, whoever... You know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. This is a total... Uh... It's a gamble in a way. And you have an idea of those managers'
2: weaknesses. So um, Tim Stillman wrote a very good article about this or, or at least spoke about it somewhere. He was saying, you know, when you, when you know a manager's weaknesses, it's sort of from game one, you're kind of looking for them. Yeah. And it come, becomes like self-fulfilling. Kind of confirmation bias. Exactly. Almost, yeah, But we don't know anything. So mm. we genuinely just have to sit back,
0: watch and wait. Mm. And for Arsenal fans... I think that could be very healthy. I look forward to it. Cause it'll mean that all those uh, tactics writers out there won't be able to rest on their laurels and just write about what they did last time. No, but update it. That's to true. A new They'll club just name. copy and paste stuff from their articles about City, yeah, probably instead. Yeah, probably, yeah. That's um, true. <laughs> hey, what are you doing for Christmas? Me personally. You personally.
2: Uh, I am going to my wife's family's. Great. The yeah. in-laws Christmas. In-laws Christmas. I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing my family Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day, in-laws mm. Christmas. And then mm. Boxing Day, um, watching Football. Bournemouth Arsenal. Right. On Amazon. Probably. Yeah. 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 There you go. Well, that's what you'll be doing as, uh, as people are listening. I will, I will be doing that as people are listening and I hope that
0: everyone has a really lovely Christmas yeah me too uh, thanks for coming man appreciate it pleasure and as always we'll see you in, in 2020 imagine that 2020 God,
2: our tetas Arsenal in 2020 <laughs> the future
0: <laughs> oh good